Alright guys, welcome back to the third episode of Primal Alchemy's Red Pill Initiation Hour, here with your host, Chris Story. Just want to give a massive thank you to everybody that's responded so kindly to my previous episodes in the comments section on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and all the other sort of hosting um, sites that it's been uploaded onto. And it really does mean the world to me, guys, hearing your thoughts so that I can improve this show on every level that I can with the guests that I have on, with the content that I'm supplying you. Every little bit of feedback matters to me. So again, if you can, please subscribe to my YouTube, to my Spotify, to my Instagram, Prime Alchemy UK, where you'll be able to get up-to-date news and the latest releases with anything to do with the Primal Alchemy brand. As another way to thanking you, I want to give you guys an exclusive discount code just for listening to this podcast when you're on primalchemy.co.uk. Use the code REDPILL. That's the code REDPILL when at checkout and you're getting an exclusive 10% off anything within your shopping cart at the time of purchase. Alright guys, so moving on to today's episode. Today's guest is Mr. Sean Weldman. Sean is a manual osteopath from Canada and there's not really any other way of putting this but he is truly woke as fuck when it comes to quantum health. Now most of you are going to be like what the fuck is quantum health? Uh, We've touched on it briefly in some of the um, prior episodes but this episode we really go in deep on it. And what uh, quantum health is is that it's built upon the pillars of light so like phototherapy, electromagnetism, water and movement. And it's the combination of all of these sort of assets within within the uh, quantum health paradigm that we begin to unlock extra levels of health that we had prior to prior to um, really scientifically validating this didn't think was possible and Sean is at the forefront of delivering this information again he's not he's not massive on social media he's not got thousands of followers but I've got a good scent for someone who knows what they're talking about and isn't afraid to deliver it in the best way possible which is truth he doesn't sugarcoat shit he tells you what's up and you don't give a fuck if you're offended because the truth is the truth regardless of your reaction to it so i highly respect sean for that and that's why i had to get him on and talk to him because there's a lot of stuff that i wanted to learn as well and again sean sean just answered all of my questions just spot on without hesitation nailed it almost as if he had a transcript before we even went and just had the perfect answers on the spot so yeah, it was a great chat with him. We cover not only quantum health, we look at many other important factors within uh, within the world in terms of the elite's agenda in how they control our um, how they control our health through many different avenues. We looked at the importance of knowing be, or being able to differentiate UVA and UVB. So these are the ultraviolet uh, rays that we take in from the sun and how they affect us differently. 
We looked at why it's important to find ways to mitigate uh, EMFs within our day-to-day life and the detrimental effect that they can have if you're not taking it seriously. And we also looked at ways of reclaiming our sovereignty in this world, sovereignty of our body, of our consciousness, and of our life. Now, that's not something that you hear too much on your general run-of-the-mill health and fitness podcast. So I think it's something that you guys can really benefit from if you stick through and listen to to the end. Just one point I wanted to raise before we do actually start the show, and that is that I've listened, I've listened through it uh, just to edit through um, to be able to make it presentable to you guys. And something happened within the whole editing, um, yeah, within the edit with editing the podcast. In in that the something to do when we when I spliced the two audio files together in order to make the the finished um, single file, it, it fucked it up. And about halfway through, there's a slight overlap where my, my speech and his speech begin to slightly bleed into each other. And it makes it sound like me and him are kind of like talking over each other, but that's not the case. And since I am brand new to this whole editing audio files game, uh, yeah... I kind of got rid of the original files of me and him, and now I only have this one left that you're about to listen to. So I couldn't go back and re-edit it. It's literally, it is what it is. So hopefully you guys can put up with it for this episode. So I'm sorry for any inconvenience and annoyance it causes. It's it's not a big deal. or it's It's just there that once you take note of it, that's happening. Well, for me anyway, I was like, fuck's sake. I was like, man... All right, well, hopefully everyone can just take it on the chin this time. And yeah, I won't let it happen again. That's what mistakes are about, guys. They happen. You just got to learn from them, not let it happen again. So again, apologies. But hopefully you really enjoy this episode. A lot of really good information and little things that you can just, little tips and tricks that you can just take on board straight from listening, integrate into your life. And I'm sure you're going to see a massive effect. All right. Let's not waste any more time. Let's uh, let's get to it. The third episode of Primal Alchemy's Red Pill Initiation Hour. Let's shoot some shit and get woke as fuck. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. As above, so below, what lies without resides within. Time for growth to begin. Mental, physical, and spiritual, we find balance with all three as we focus on totality. The whole, not the half, this is for those on a spiritual path. Looking for the clues to the answers of life. But the truth ain't always nice, so leave your ego at the door. Let your inner lion roar and your spirit soar as we go deep down to the molecular level. Tap into the body with some yogic breath. Throw in some calisthenics for a true strength test. Like the shamans of old, we use the nature to heal with a little bit of DMT to reveal. This whole life journey is a little surreal. And your mind needs a leader, not a follower in life. Let your mind be the master and you pay a hefty price. This next 60 minutes is about self mastery it's not an easy path and it's a lifelong journey but we up to empower with this red pill initiation hour with this red pill initiation hour brought to you by 
Prama Okami. The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Three, two, one, and we're live. All right. So, welcome everyone to the third episode of the Red Pill Initiation Hour. Your host here is Chris Story of Primal Alchemy, and today's guest we have Mr. Sean Wildman. Sean, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right, man. So, uh, I've been following you on Instagram for a while now, and yeah, I'm really liking the work you put out there. You're you're coming in with some pretty hard hitting science from the get go, and uh, yeah, maybe I thought it'd be good for you just to be able for anyone who's not familiar with you or your work, just to give us a bit of a rundown on who you are, what you're about, and why you're doing what you're doing now. Yeah, perfect. So I am currently a manual osteopath. I just recently graduated. I also do health and lifestyle coaching. I am a fanatic of the biohacking world and a very huge enthusiast of cold thermogenesis protocols just because of the profound effect that it's had on my life and the profound effect it's had on many people's lives. So the journey for me in the health, alternative health sphere started back in 2012, where my health started to decline. So I started to develop certain symptomology associated with a variety of different conditions. And it started as one thing. And eventually, it was like a domino effect. And one thing led to the next. And I had dozens of different issues that I was dealing with, though nothing ever life-threatening per se, but enough to debilitate you and cripple you and also have you question and re-examine things from an overarching perspective. And that's exactly what I did because I ended up going the medical route as most people do. You go to the doctor and they have all the solutions for you with their allopathic symptom approach mindset. I saw four different specialists in regards to the condition or problems that I was suffering from. And to no avail, I was just left with actually more questions rather than actually receiving answers. So at that point, you know, knowing that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, I decided to hit different avenues and explore them. And it wasn't until I actually saw a manual osteopath, which evidently helped inspire me to become one, where he opened doors for me that I didn't even know existed and pretty much lit a fire under my belly to get off my ass and start really pinpointing what was going on. So this manual osteopath recommended for me initially to do a raw food vegan diet. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know much about it. Thought it was kind of weird, but I was desperate and I was willing to do whatever it took. So I embarked on that journey and I actually did the raw food diet for about two to three months. And I got a lot of results and things didn't go away entirely, but there was definitely some benefits. But, you know, the way I like to look at it is I look at a raw food diet like a marriage. In the beginning, it's all nice and dandy. You got the honeymoon phase. Everything's really great, right? 
And then all of a sudden things start taking turn for the worst. And you find that the person you're sleeping with ain't really the person you thought they were. And that's kind of the segue with whole, with the raw food diet. Um, it gave me some benefits, but not in the long term. So I explored other diets. I explored standard veganism, vegetarianism, paleoism, uh, ketogenic diet, all types of diets. I've done them. And I got a lot of results, as I mentioned, but there was always something missing and I couldn't quite pinpoint what that was until I came across the likes of guys like Dr. Jack Cruz, guys like Matt Blackburn, who helped to really bring me into the areas of awareness that I needed to go towards. And that was the whole light water magnetism avenues where it's not all about food and we have to take into account our circadian rhythms, which are a 24 hour sleep wake cycle that governs all cellular physiology as well as mitochondrial function because we have two genomes in the body, a nuclear genome and a mitochondrial genome. Mitochondrial genome actually helps to control the nuclear genome. And it's estimated that 85% of Neolithic diseases are caused through mitochondrial dysfunction. And it's at a mitochondrial origin. So with that said, I started to apply some of those principles with light water magnetism, with the circadian rhythms, with the mitochondrial optimization protocols, which entailed cold thermogenesis, sunlight grounding, infrared saunas, red light therapy, all these different things. And through that, that's where I really started to see things turn a tide for me, where my, my mood was exponentially elevated. My memory recall was greatly improved. Having to do podcasts like I'm doing right now was now something that would be feasible where years prior it would be unimaginable. My physical body started to feel way better, less pain, less stiffness, more mobility, more appropriate length tension between the uh, agonist antagonist muscles and having better structural integrity as a whole. Over that period, this is where I started to get the results that I had been seeking six years prior. And, you know, this is why it's uh, imperative to be able to understand these principles, because if you don't, then ignorance takes hold of you and ultimately you become at mercy to it. And you can evade the you can evade like the understanding of certain things, but you can't evade the consequences and the results of what happens to what you do because there are consequential effects to our behaviors. So just want to have people keep that in mind when they're trying to optimize their health and lifestyle practices. Yeah, sounds right, man. I mean, in terms of what you're saying with the reference to Dr. Jack Cruz and Matt Blackburn, same sort of journey uh, here, mate, with um, those two have really been beacons of light, no pun intended, um, concerning this sort of evolution in the landscape of what true health 
is in the human body and to look at it from a holistic approach and it's it really it really does come down to that man i mean you can have all the fad diets you want you can take the priciest supplements do all the biohacking you want but the the ultimate route to health is essentially just connecting back to nature and when you connect to nature like how we're supposed to you get your daily dose of the correct light the correct electromagnetic uh waves entering the body and proper water and i really do feel like it's one of those because dr jack cruz gets a bit of a bad stick within the uh the health community not many people don't really seem to vibe with his message Mm -hmm. um it's because i don't know what i don't ultimately right it's the people are unfortunately under a emotional state of mind control where they base the veracity of information based on how it's delivered versus the con the the actual information that's being stated so i'll give you an example of how this is done in the mainstream circles so you have these news anchors on cnn fox news all these fake news networks they are relatively good looking individuals just very nice they get pampered and groomed prior to being put on television and they talk to you in nice pleasant tones, like a baby, essentially, because they're spoon feeding you a bunch of propaganda, ultimately. And guess what? People gobble it up day by day by day by day because of how the information is being delivered. Now, let's let's look at the antithesis of this. Let's look at a homeless individual on the street. Looks very unpleasant looking smells, you know, you can tell he hasn't taken a shower in a few weeks. But this guy with a with a two four in his hand is is spitting out bars of truth. Bars of truth. And 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 people are just walking by, not even listening, not even taking into account anything that he's saying. He could even be vulgar at times with his message. But people won't receive it because of the delivery and ultimately, the delivery is going to affect how people take in this information or whether they ignore it as a whole. And another thing I wanted to bring up is what you touched on, connecting back to nature. So we hear that term so often, connect back to nature, connect back to nature. And it can be a little bit troublesome to say something like that at times, not because it's inaccurate, but because of all the new age propaganda that's been put out, the love and light mantras that have been yeah, spewed out within the new age movement that have kind of turned people away from th- these messages. But ultimately what connecting to nature represents is understanding that your biology is connected intimately to the laws of nature through day and light cycles and through seasonal cycles. This is something that you cannot evade. It doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter what your perceptions are, what your likes, interests, or whims may be. The ultimate understanding that you need to grasp is that regardless of interpretation, you are affected whether you connect to the elements of nature or disconnect to the elements of nature. And when we disconnect to the elements of nature, ultimately what we've done is we've lost our biological instincts to not only survive, 
but also thrive in this world. And that comes through a lot of the conditioning that we get through the three main avenues of information that we get pulled into, which would be religion, education, and the mainstream media. All these propagandized think tanks, these social engineered institutions that are putting these half truths of information to the public. And the public is, once again, gobbling all that information up, relying solely on authoritarian figures to give them merits of truth, not realizing that their own internal authority within is going to be the best governing body to distinguish these things. And you have to learn these things on your own and apply them rather than solely rely on external sources to access that information. Yeah, man, um, totally agree with you on on many points you just made. For everyone that's listening that maybe not be too familiar with the foundation of light electromagnetism and water, where would you start with them? Like, what would you, what would be the uh, where would be the what would be the starting points for them to search up further, or just a few simple protocols for them to be able to integrate into their life that you feel would make the the, the biggest change or noticeable change for them on a physical, mental, and spiritual It's a really level. great question, and I'm glad you asked that. So first and foremost, we have to connect back to sunlight. Regardless of seasons, regardless of latitude, we must connect back to sunlight and sun exposure. Instead of using blue lights from text screen as a proxy for what we ultimately subconsciously seek, which is light. This is why all these companies use sunlight as their logo to subconsciously embed you to trust them because they know that you're seeking light ultimately. But getting back to the sunlight, you want to go outside first thing in the morning when you get up and look towards the sun for three to five minutes to activate your circadian rhythms and activate the release of eight hormones in the pituitary gland so that you can produce hormones like dopamine and serotonin, which is a precursor to melatonin, so that you can pretty much function at peak performance. You also want to block artificial light in the evening time. And by artificial light, I'm speaking on light emitted from screens, light fixtures, from light bulbs, you name it. If it's artificial, it falls in that spectrum. If uh, sorry, unless you use red and orange tinted glasses, or sorry, not glasses, red and orange tinted bulbs that will be absent of the blue light. And red and orange tinted light does not have an effect on our melatonin and won't compromise our sleep quality and raise our cortisol levels, in addition to lowering our melatonin levels. We also preferably would want to be getting some blue blocking glasses that are going to block both blue and green light, which are short wavelengths of light. So basically the short wavelengths of of light, the purple, blue, and greens, those are going to suppress your melatonin. Whereas the long wavelengths of light, the yellows, the oranges, the reds will not have as much of an inverse effect on your melatonin levels. And it's also the type of light that we would have been evolved under using firelight or candlelight or oil lamps 
before the invention of the Edison bulb. In addition to the two things that I mentioned, I would also highly recommend adopting a cold thermogenesis practice. And it doesn't have to be going in the middle of the winter into a lake or river in, you know, frigid temperatures. It can be as simple as, well, I'll break it down into three categories. Okay. So with cold thermogenesis, there's low intensity, moderate intensity, and high intensity. So with low intensity, the way we can apply it is to do a face dunk. You fill up a uh, bowl with water and ice and you dunk your face, which stimulates the diver's reflex. And you're going to get a lot of benefits, including a vagus nerve stimulation and so forth. You can also turn down the thermostat in your home from, say, 70 to 62, 63. You can gradually work your way down. You can also open your windows in the evening time while you're sleeping to cool the room, and it will actually help you with sleep since our body temperature naturally lowers in the evening time. So that would be low intensity. Moderate intensity, we're looking at things like cold showers. We're looking at hot, cold contrast therapy, which could be in the form of a shower, which could be in the form of going to a health club and using a sauna and then jumping into cold water and going back and forth. So those would be moderate intensity. And then lastly, we have high intensity cold thermogenesis, which would consist of things like ice baths in your home, ice dips in the middle of nature in lakes and rivers. It could even consist of cryotherapy, uh, which is uh, using liquid nitrogen to um, cool the body. And uh, you could also do hikes in the winter with uh, minimal layers of clothing, you know, like when I say that, I mean like, you know, just shorts and shoes kind of thing, you know, and just gradually kind of start shifting your mindset into considering these principles and applying them in your life because it's going to benefit you in so many ways. And then also just to sum up your question, uh, grounding would be a good thing. So just connecting to the electromagnetic flux of the earth, also known as the Schumann resonance, which is measured at 7.83 hertz. So that would consist of grounding, like walking barefoot. You can get grounding sheets, um, you know, things like that, even uh, grounding shoes that they have now. And also mend your water intake. Uh, know uh, the water that you're drinking. Make sure it's clean, free of fluoride, chlorine, acids. And you want to have it rich in, you know, bicarbonate salts, which were naturally present in our water size, uh, water supplies prior to the industrial revolution. I think that would be really a, uh, a foundational, uh, com- that would be like foundational components to initiate a mm-hmm. biohacking, um, biohacking program in your life. And yeah, also, I, like I said, look into like the works of like, Dr. Jack Cruz, Matt Blackburn, Dr. Doug Wallace, um, um, Alexander Wunsch. These guys are very knowledgeable in in these fields and they'll be able to kind of guide you in the right direction once once you begin the journey. 
Yeah, in regards to the cold thermogenesis, I think most people was brought to the awareness of this sort of protocol from Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She's been quite like obviously one of the main advocates on like the Joe Rogan podcast, um, etc. And she's obviously states that some of the benefits of doing so, which would be the like the cold shock protein uh, release from there in order to neutralize any inflammatory cytokine um, responses in the body. What would be what would be the other effects from again it physical and mentally in when you're doing when you're doing these sort of protocols like that's obviously a physio, a physiological response is there any others to note that's yeah worth, there's um, a lot actually up? um so for starters when you're exposed to the cold it so they did studies and I'll give you an example of one so 0 degrees celsius water for 30 seconds being submerged in it can increase your dopamine levels by 250%, your norepinephrine levels by 530%, and your metabolism by up to 1,000% from initial baseline. Now, on the drug market, we have these psychoactive drugs called SNRIs, selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, somewhat similar to SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So there is a theory that goes that having low levels of norepinephrine in our brain is one factor that can cause depression and anxiety and other mood disorders. Well, it just so happens, as I mentioned prior, doing cold stimulus increases your norepinephrine levels and your dopamine levels, which are two vitally important neurotransmitters to have proper mood, to avoid some of those mood disorders. In addition to that, cold stimulus will convert white fat into brown fat. And it does this through a process called mitochondrial biogenesis, which is the increase of mitochondria, the energy producing organelles in every cell of our body, into uh, increase the amount essentially per cell. Okay. And white fat is energy storing, whereas brown fat is energy releasing. And we need that brown fat through cold stimulus to generate heat in order to keep us warm internally. Also, the stimulus of the cold will send a signal through the uh, sorry to the hypothalamus and then it will relay the signal back to the skin, the subcutaneous fat underneath it to go through a process called apoptosis, which is programmed cell death. So essentially what you're doing is you're actually killing fat cells. Whereas when people go on these fad diets, they might shed some weight and lose some fat within a cell, but they're not actually causing those fat cells to go through that apoptosis. And this is why people gain weight back once they kind of fall off the wagon. In addition to that, cold is very good for increasing overall energy production. So within the mitochondria, we have these things called respiratory proteins. So the closer the respiratory proteins are to each other, the more energy efficient we are at tunneling electrons through the transport chain into the mitochondria to produce those units of energy called ATP. 
And if we're exposed, though, to artificial light at night and EMFs and all that stuff, it increases the distance of those respiratory proteins. But the antidote to that is the cold because the cold brings them closer together. And if they become closer together, we produce more energy. And then just to fire dart a couple other things that the cold is very good for, great for boosting your immune system, your adrenal and thyroid function, great for your skin as well. And it's uh, good also to build mental fortitude because when you do a cold shower, when you do an ice bath, when you do an ice dip into frigid temperatures in lakes and rivers, you may not want to do it, right? You know, you might kind of psych yourself out. I mean, there's times where I don't want to mm-hmm. do it, yeah. but I do it anyway. And what that does is it builds that mental fortitude to be able to do things in our life on a grand scale that we may not want to do and we push through it. So it's building that resilience. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely transferable in in many aspects of life by just facing some adversity, doing something for once in your life that you don't necessarily want to do, but you just push yourself through it. And once you're on the other side of, oh, yeah, once you're on the other side of, of that sort of um, mind frame, you can, it really opens up your potential or opens up your own knowledge of yourself, of what you're really capable of. Once, once you sort of just push aside the, um, the reptil, it's essentially, it's, is deactivating the reptilian brain, the reptilian response of fight or flight. Once you, once you can breathe your way through it and transcend that, then you really start to see the, uh, your full capabilities and, yeah, man, I'm, I'm totally on board with the uh, with the cold thermogenesis. It's a daily practice of mine is to do a, for, a cold shower if I can. I mean, what would you what would you say would be best for people that li- are living closer to the equator where they're not gonna have the access to these uh, to these extreme extreme temp- extremely low temperatures? Is it simply cold showers or is it visiting? lakes well, and things like for, that or for people what would you living suggest? closer to the equator the importance of doing cold thermogenesis is going to be a lot less than if someone is living in the northern hemisphere but you know for the sake of helping them out if they want to do it probably the best thing would be what you mentioned cold showers and then also ice baths um you know they can even purchase like an ice machine and have like a plentiful amount of ice that they can put into the water to cool it down. And then they can do that. But for them, it's not as important as I tie to because the people that live closer to the equator, um, they, yeah, so they don't have, have a lot more sun exposure, uncouple right? proteins to generate heat. So people that have Northern European ancestry, they can uncouple their proteins more efficiently than someone who has in African ancestry. So that's because in their environment, in Northern European environments, colder environments, we would have to do that to generate more heat internally to keep us warm throughout the winter season. Whereas people living closer to the equator, their proteins don't couple because they have access to sun exposure. They have access to all that heat generated from the sun that they're integrating into their organism. So they don't have that requirement to do it. So it's not as much of a necessity. But if you're living 
in the northern hemisphere, it's a huge necessity because we have this circadian pacemaker called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is a bundle of nerves that is situated in the hypothalamus. And it helps to, in combination with leptin, which is a hormone that satiates us and keeps us full, it helps to switch from using light as the dominant method of entrainment to the environment to using temperature as a dominant method of entrainment to our environment. So it's imperative. If you're living in the Northern Hemisphere and you're living in cold climates, you need to be doing cold therapy at some level, way, shape, or form, because it will affect your circadian rhythms. You're not designed to be in 24-hour centralized heating exposed to artificial lights in, in, in a constant, warm, cozy environment. You're meant to be in forms of hormetic stress that are going to build more resilience for you so that you can be more adaptive to the ever-ending stressors that we deal with in the modern world. So I want people to really understand and grasp that you have to do some level of cold thermogenesis if you're living in the Northern Hemisphere. And cold is going to act as a Faraday cage to protect us from the non-native electromagnetic frequencies that we're exposed to in the form of cell phones, cell towers, Wi-Fi. What me and you are being exposed to right now doing this podcast, it will protect those cells because it'll increase the magnetic force that the mitochondria can generate, which will knock off all those external magnetic electromagnetic forces that we're dealing with. Won't be a cure-all, of course, but it will help the very least. Very interesting, man. Very interesting. In terms of the when you're saying with the cell, with the the inner sort inner electromagnetic protection, what other things can people bring into their life to help them from some non-native electromagnetic frequencies? Apart from doing cold thermogenesis, is what what else are we looking for? I know that hydro um Molecular hydrogen water is going to be a great one for that. Have well, you got any other first suggestions? To we add have to, that? to address what we need to mitigate rather than focus solely on what we need to add in. So, first of all, let's look at cell phones mm-hmm. and yeah. let's look at the three issues that we have with cell phones, at least the three main ones. So, the three main issues that we have with a cell phone is the light that's being emitted from it, the radiation. And then also the notifications. Okay, so I'll I'll outline all three. So first, the light. So the blue light being emitted from your screen, pure blue light. Nature always balances with red light to counter the effects of the blue light. Modern man, on the other hand, does not do that under the guise of energy efficiency. Right. So we need to use apps on our phone that are going to block these uh, block the percentage of blue light. So for someone who has a Android, there is a software built into the Android system. It's a blue light filter. So you'd want to be using something like that. In addition to downloading external apps like Twilight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Twilight. Yeah. Twilight, <laughs> man. I've, got, I've got that one running. I've got it on like, max settings so my screen my screen is just like red so it totally wrecks any you gotta get over that. if you want to watch anything because fuck it whatever. you're gonna be watching your own life yeah. sentence if you don't understand the importance of 
of these principles. <laughs> so there's that blocking the blue light from the screen. Um, you can, in addition, use blue blocking glasses when you're uh, on your on your cell phone. And then we have to address the radiation. So one thing we can do is uh, when our phone's not in use, put it on airplane mode, which is going to shut off cellular data, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth. It's probably going to block, I'd say, as a guesstimate, 90, 95% of the radiation coming through the phone. Uh, you, Yeah, I mean... I'm just kind of giving a, a rough estimate, but it blocks a pretty good deal and it, it'll, it'll help. Also, you want to be cognizant of where you're using your cell phone, because if you are using a cell phone in a weak reception area, your cell phone has to maintain a connection to the localized cell towers. And it's going to put out more radiation in order to maintain that connection, which means more radiation for you. If you're driving this is particularly a problem because you're in a 3,000 pound metal apparatus driving between 40 to 100 kilometers per hour, depending on the speed limit. And your cell phone is connecting from cell tower to cell tower as you move across space. And that's going to increase the radiation output. A hack that you can do if you need to use GPS is to Put in your coordinates for your for your GPS. Get the destination. Once the destination is uh, put put there, then you just put your phone in airplane mode, and your GPS will still work. You do not need to use your GPS while your cell phone is operational to receive other um, other messages or other uh, information from the cell tower. Um, we can also use cell phone cases and uh, that are going to specifically block the radiation. So it doesn't like protect you 100%. I would like for people to think about it similar to a light hitting a mirror and, ref and that light reflecting off that mirror. The material that people are using with these cell phone radiation protection cases are silver lining. And also what they're using now is graphene technology. Okay. Graphene is a nano uh, particle and it actually um, is transparent. So this can actually be built into the phones um, by the manufacturers and already protect us. But that's another story. But in the meantime, what we need to be doing is using these just as a protective measure. And it'll help to deflect the radiation from hitting your body so that the cell phone will still work. It'll still receive the signal. But you're not going to be getting as much exposure. And then. Lastly, we have to address the notifications that's not coupled with the radiation per se, but it's important as well because when we're constantly getting these dings, these chimes, these whistles, these bells, it's stimulating the dopamine. It's stimulating a release of dopamine in the reward centers of our brain. And that actually gets us more addicted yeah, to, to continue to use these devices endlessly. So a hack that you can do for this it's just to go in your notification settings and shut off all notifications so that you don't see all those red um, notifications on Facebook and Instagram and all these other social media uh, programs. But if you go into the app, then you'll see the notifications. So it's not pulling you into it. You're having the option and free will choice to kind of do it. But at times when those notifications are dinging and you're hearing all those bells, Sometimes that free will choice can be evaded because it's really, it's really like taking away some of those 
logical centers of the brain and deactivating them. And ultimately you kind of set yourself up and set, set yourself up for, for a trap. Um, so those would be for the cell phone to mitigate the radiation. Um, as far as computers, you can use ethernet cables to connect to your dirty electricity, which obviously uh, dirty electricity in the wall, which obviously is not the best, but it's better than using Wi-Fi, uh, which is a lot more harmful. Um, you can use a uh, protection, uh, protection um, mat for your laptop so that if you do need to place it on your lap, um, it's going to be act as a barrier to block some of that radiation. Also, you want to get like a, a radiation cage for the smart meters that you might have that will help to block out a lot of the radiation. Um, you also want to, um, let's see, just thinking of a couple more things. You want to shut off your Wi-Fi in the evening time if you have it while you're sleeping. Um, Would you want to go to the and just... Would you want to go yeah, full out yeah, and just, yeah, just kill switch it and just turn that off? off. Yeah, you can get like an electrician to install kill switches in your room yeah. or in any room for that matter. And then when the evening time hits and it's time for sleep, you just shut off or turn the switch off and it shuts off all of the radiation, all the dirty electricity in that room. And you're going to be able to have a much more profound sleep. Um, you know, it's kind of like resembling camping in a way in that, you know, when you go camping, you have pretty good sleep because you're away from a lot of those electromagnetic frequencies and you're recalibrated to the natural circadian rhythms of day and night. Um, of course, I'm not saying that that's a replacement to it. I mean, camping is pretty badass. You can't really replace camping, but just giving a, a, a little example. And there are, there are a lot of other ways to, to mitigate radiation. Um, I mean, one specifically is to not talk on your cell phone next to your head. Do not carry it in your pocket. Do not put it underneath your pillow before you go to bed. And certainly ladies, do not put it in your bra because you're really asking for a lot of troubles if you're doing things like that. It says in the manufacturer manual not to keep our phones within, um, I think it's a couple inches from the body. And everyone's breaking that rule day to day because they're putting it right next to their body. When the um, when some of the manufacturing industries and the FCC did tests on the radiation exposure, they actually tested it from a distance away from the body. Now, as I mentioned earlier, most people keep it towards the body, right next to it. When third-party companies retested the radiation levels, guess what? It was three times higher than the radiation levels that our own government and FCC claimed to be safe. So we're at, we're at three times higher the amount, coupled with the fact that the levels that they say are safe are not safe, uh, and they're using old, outdated um, literature that states that non-ionizing non radiation has no biological effects, which is absolutely not true. It does have a biological effect. If you're on your cell phone for an hour um, and it's right next to your head, the biological effect that you're going to be able to feel that maybe people are not going to be able to make the connection is heat. You're going to feel heat and, and like a hotness on that area. That is a biological effect. Your tissue is being heated. 
and it's going to result in inflammation. It's going to result in calcium flooding into the cells, which are going to swell the cells up and ultimately through a bunch of processes cause damage to your mitochondria through free radicals that are that you're exposed to. So, I mean, surely the, the people that all these um, governmental bodies that are that are in charge of regulating this shit, like surely they must know. So, like, what is it? Is is this a is this ignorance or is it more darker and sinister than that? Like, why why is it that they keep pushing out this technology? Like, why are they pushing out five G? Why are they when research is showing the effects of the adverse effects of wi-fi exposure of pro of what the five what 5g network's going to do to ourselves it's a great question uh, what, and what's your opinion the answer on this, that man? people are going to be looking for is not one they're going to like because it's not ignorance this is a direct biological warfare that we are dealing with we ah, are this is dealing the, this with is the biological answer I wanted. warfare so there's a lot of talk in the media about world war three the potentiality of World War III coming between North Korea and, and U.S. and this and that and whatever, right? It's all theater at the end of the day. But here's the here's the problem that people are not recognizing: we're already dealing with warfare. Warfare has we're existed for War decades, if not longer. There's a reason why they put cell towers in residential areas when, gee, I don't know, they were able to use a landline to speak to people on the moon in 1969. I mean, like. You don't need to have cell towers at such close distances in residential areas when we already know about the risks associated with having towers in such a close vicinity. So this is a direct um, this is directly deliberately done through these institutions. You have so this is going to get a little bit conspiratory, but it doesn't really matter. So these secret societies that exist in this world, love it, Freemasons, so on and so forth, and if you have any high ranking position in the technological industry, um, the political industry, police, um, entertainment, all these different avenues, education, there is no possibility that anyone with a high ranking position in those institutions would not have, would not be um, going through the initiate initiative process of becoming Freemasons and showing their loyalty to those institutions. Things don't just, things aren't just given to these individuals by chance. It's all deliberately done. And they're using this, all these technology, all these devices, the 5G, the Wi-Fi, um, the smart grid technology for a variety of reasons. One was to dumb down the species. Two is to make them sick so they become a profit margin for the mm -hmm. corporations. And three is it's all about control and confinement. That's the end overarching goal. And this is what's taking place as we speak. If you look at things, like, if you look at countries like China and their social accrediting system, using digital dictatorship to control the population and put them into a perpetual state of enslavement, it is so bad that you can decrease your purchasing power based on your behavior or what the government deems to be good behavior in that region. If it goes as far as your family members looking into maybe conspiratory stuff, as an example, not only will they get penalized for it, but you 
the family member will get penalized for it as well. So this is created so that the family members will keep tabs on one another. And it's full-scale, 24-hour surveillance. There is no privacy anymore, none whatsoever. And if people in the Western side of the world think that this isn't coming to these regions, you are severely naive and ignorant. It's already happening because look and look at your iPhone. Your iPhone has a trust score. So it gives you a score based on your browse browser search history. So if they feel as though you're searching things that are deemed good on their part, they'll give you a higher trust score. If it's something that they say, oh, you know, you don't want to look into that stuff. You're, you know, coming a little bit too close to the line of truth there, Sean. You, you may want to steer a little bit farther away from that. The lower your trust score. And this is what's going to ultimately take place in all areas of this world as a smart grid AI technology starts to commence, where everything is going to be purchased through your cell phone. You will not be able to shop at certain places if your social crediting ranking is lower. You won't be able to travel to certain destinations. You won't be able to indulge in certain luxuries and entertainments if your social crediting ranking is low. So this is the ultimate level of control and slavery that unfortunately the people are going to condone and accept because of the art of incrementalism using a psychological tactic that's been used for generations to incrementally put out this information so that the public accepts it using the Hegelian dialectic of problem, reaction, solution, so that they put people into the trap that they yes. had pre-designed on, from the get-go. That's what it is. That's what it always boils down to. Create a problem. You're going to induce that reaction from the people. Hey, you know, let me give you my rights, liberties, and freedoms in the exchange of illusory protection. And then the solution is new legislation. New legislation that is ultimately stripping away our constitutional rights, stripping away our inherent rights ultimately. And this is where things are headed. If we don't, I mean, as long as we continue to be ignorant about it, and as long as people continue to be unaware, I mean, this is where things are headed because people have such low dopamine levels that they're not able to recognize patterns. They're not able to be forward thinkers. They're not able to recognize that in order to invoke change, you have to give up what you presently have in order to attain something a little bit better than that in better experiences. You know, if you want to improve your health, you got to give up some of those destructive habits that you might have in order to get a different effect. So the same principle applies. And I mean, we need to bring more awareness to these issues and get the people to understand that these institutions are not your friend. The government is not your friend. They're here to enslave you to debt, to steal from you, to coerce you and make you do things that you don't involve, that you don't voluntarily condone. And this is what the slave system has become living in a prison planet chained to the debt system, having to pay off the, the debt that the countries collect as they acquire money from the Federal Reserve Banks 
add interest, and then our tax dollars go towards paying off the endless amount of debt, the illusory amount of debt. And that is a uh, huge problem. And until people recognize, well, here's the thing. So the, the perceived legitimacy of one person's authority over another is the most dangerous superstition that this planet has ever ideologically adopted. Thinking that someone has authority over you because of name, because of status, because of family ties, whatever they might be. The fact of the matter is that authority is an illusion. It is a mental schism that exists only in the mind that ultimately is produced in the aggregate based on the belief systems that people adopt. Authority has no place in this world because ultimately, if you understand what self-ownership is, if you understand the non-aggression principle and the law of self-defense, you'll realize how antithetical the system is and how it's designed and how outdated and arbitrary it ultimately is. Oh, shit. <laughs> Fuck. Shit. Yeah, there's a... Uh, we're, um... Interesting times we're living in. We're in the end game now, pretty much, aren't we, Sean? It's... This has been a... Pl- yeah, for sure. This has been a plan that's been, um been in the works for a long time at a, a time period that people wouldn't accept on first notice it's been th- these elite bloodlines they date back all the way you can go from to ancient samaria 5000 years ago and even predating antiquity uh these and these bloodlines have always been in control and they've always had their ways of controlling people some some less obvious than yes, others yes they have have you heard of um, <laughs> the I georgia guidestones before <laughs> Yeah, so just exactly, man. So just tying that in with what you were uh, with what you were briefly noting there that the there is an agenda, there is a plan. And guess what? I'll guess what? There, 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 there's planet. a big club. And guess what? You ain't in it. You ain't in it. There's a club, and you ain't in it. And ultimately, <laughs> yeah, they, you're not invited, bro. You're, you're, they you're, have power over you because they understand the microcosm and macrocosm a lot better than you do. So let me give you an example. So on a microcosmic level, these socially engineered institutions, these government officials, you name them, they understand the psychology of human beings better than you do. And if they do, then they can use that power differential of knowledge against you. And then the macrocosm, they understand the laws of the universe. They understand exactly how it works. Maybe not exactly, but they have a very good idea of how it works. Not through relativism, not through their perception, not through their preferences. They know how it works based on the objectivity behind that. And if you understand how people psychologically operate and how the fundamental laws of the universe work, and you are a psychopath by nature, you're going to use those two premises against the people and call the herd into the image that you, that they want. Because in the Bible, it said uh, something like um, God created us in his own image, right? 
So what, what God are they speaking on? Are they speaking on God as, as a reference to government? Because government has created man in their own image. They've socially engineered and conditioned us from birth until, the, until right now, until the day that you die. From, from every single thing you can imagine, from the television programming, the educational system, or in other words, the indoctrination camps, the religions, the, the belief in the monetary system, the belief in um, certain uh, institutions, the belief in authority. They've groomed you from birth and you're given a name, nationality, religion, and race, and you defend this false fictional identity and, and extreme cases will kill someone if they don't believe in your ideology. And this is what it boils down to division because the people that are wielding the power, guess what? They have unity. Okay. They're using the three expressions of consciousness to their best of their ability. So they have well-coordinated thoughts that they put into effect. They care about what they're doing. They have a lot of care, maybe not care about humanity, maybe not care from an emotional sense, but they care about getting their objectives done and they act on it. They get it done because they have the whole system backing them up, the judicial system, the police, the military, everything, right? But then when we tie in humanity, the average everyday citizen, we're not in alignment with our, with our thoughts and we choose ignorance. We're not in alignment with our feelings and we choose apathy and we're not in alignment with our actions and we choose self-loathing behaviors that are destructive that ultimately bring harm to ourselves, our family members, our friends, other people, and the world as a whole. We're really making it easy for them. And that's it's it's it shows how well their magic have works. Like the the world is controlled by dark magicians like people seem to, people have been programmed and brainwashed to think that magic is fairy tale and hollywood but there's legitimate magic at work and when you understand when you when you understand this for what real magic is you can see it in plain sight what's going on behind the scenes and i mean they're not even hiding it that much anymore i mean beforehand they used to keep it very secret but now it's just all out in the open they mock you. They mock you on music videos, on in Hollywood, in the films. The symbolism is everywhere, and but people just are, like we're just not empowered. We're not we're not initiated into these into these teachings to be able to see it. But if you are, you can read between the lines and you know what the message is straight up. And the message is, you and your monkey blood are slaves, and you're going to do as we say. And if you step out of line, we're going to take you out. And we take your family out. So uh, keep showing up to work. Keep eating our genetically modified food. That's the name of the game. And be a good slave. But yeah, and then anyone who does anyone who does stand out, anyone who does step out of line, depending on how much um, exposure they have to stepping out of line, they'll quickly be seen to. And it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy that we got into this because this is something that's pretty close to my heart as well and i think anyone that really delves deep into true health be that holistic health spirituality they ultimately arrive at a lot of conspiratorial I mean, ideas the term, because the it's term conspiracy, I, I, I laugh when i hear it and, uh, because when some, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, someone that says, yeah, like let's say like you're putting out that. information on whatever avenue, and someone just says, "Oh, that's conspiracy." When someone says to you that that's conspiracy, what they're ultimately admitting to you is that a they're low in dopamine, b having a clue of what's really going on, because they have they never seem to actually address what you're saying and disproving what you're saying. They ultimately just put out that word conspiracy, which was coined in the 1960s after the JFK assassination, because I didn't want people questioning what really went down on that day. You know, what really happened to John F. Kennedy? What was John F. Kennedy's motives? Was he trying to help people? Was he trying to, gee, I don't know, create a economy that was backed by silver that would have ended the Federal Reserve? And then they killed him for it. That's something to consider. In that's kind of the issue I see is that people are so afraid, afraid to consider things outside the box that are in contrast to the original narrative that was, you know, given to us. We have to become more uh, adept at critically thinking, at questioning things and reexamining them until we can verify and prove it to ourselves. Because I don't believe anything that some institution is going to tell me. I need to verify it on my own in order to understand it and ultimately accept it. But what we have is that we have people that are simultaneously rigidly skeptical and we have people that are rigidly gullible. And that ties in with imbalances in the hemispheres of the brain. The left part of the brain mm. hemisphere associated with logic, the right part of the brain hemisphere associated with creativity. It's the right part of the brain that actually helps to take in information, whereas the left part of the brain will then analyze that information and integrate it um, and uh, come to a uh, conclusion on it, so to speak. But what people do and what I see is that they don't want to hear any of the information that counters their belief systems. They're in a state of cognitive dissonance. And then also they're in a state of Stockholm syndrome because the people of this world are supporting slavery. They're supporting authority. They're supporting the government. They're supporting these vile, malicious, nefarious organizations that are intent on limiting your power as an individual in society. And that's what they ultimately do and have done for generations and generations. People have to come to understand that there are laws that are built into the fabric of reality that govern behavior. And there are consequences to behavior through the laws of karma, the laws of cause and effect, the law of causality. There's many names for it, but ultimately it boils down to one point. If you do something, there will be an effect. Okay. And morality is not something that can be legislated. Morality is something that needs to be discovered through observing the universe and not have it be relative to opinion. Because how can something that is immoral become moral? Or how can something that is moral become immoral? It's an absolute impossibility in the aggregate. So as an example, prohibition on alcohol, it was once legal to, to consume alcohol. Then it was illegal or, in other words, immoral. Couldn't drink alcohol, forbidden. 
And then now it's legal again, or in other words, moral. So we took alcohol from being moral to now immoral. And then, oh, all of a sudden, oh, stroke of a pen, it's moral again. So did the behavior even change? Did the substance that you were putting into your body change? No, you're still, you were still drinking alcohol, whether it was moral or immoral. So how can it have changed? The, the, the key to understand is that it's all based on moral relativism, based on the whims of our legislators upon certain jurisdictions where they get to decide what we can or cannot do. And ultimately what they're saying to you, Chris, is they're saying, Chris, I own you because nobody under any circumstance has a right to tell you what you can or cannot put into your own body because, hey, it's your body. You own it. So no one has a right to tell you what you can or, or cannot put into it, no matter if that substance is harmful or no matter if that substance is beneficial. It doesn't matter because the ends don't justify the means. I have the responsibility that can never be advocated to anyone else to choose what is righteous to put into my body and what is not righteous to put into my body. And only I can come to that determination. Of course, there can be people like saying, hey, you know, don't drink that rat poison. It's not good for you. You know, I wouldn't do that if I were you. But at the end of the day, if that individual wants to go and drink rat poison, they have a right to do that, though I wouldn't recommend it, of course. But you, you get what I'm saying, right? It's claiming ownership over us. It's using moral relativism. And ultimately, it ties in with eugenics, which is what they're doing with the biological warfare of the EMFs and the biological warfare for the food that we're eating, the poisoning of our air uh, through aerosol nanoparticulate sprays in the guise of, uh, you know, mitigating global warming, all these things. I mean, it's all deliberately being done, guys. I mean, you have to be having your, I don't know, you have to be totally naive if you think that this is just a, a, a mistake. You know, they're just making mistakes. They're, they're, just, they're just unaware that they're they're trying to dumb us down and poison us. You know, they, they could do better, you know, let's, let's just uh, forgive them for it. For sure, man. Like we're literally, we're subjected to the war on consciousness. It's our consciousness is the, is the enemy at the moment. And using the point you made about the cause and effect, our lives are the effect of their decisions and to empower yourself you need to be the cause you need to be the cause and the effect but we've been we've been resorted to just living a life un- unconsciously experiencing it through through the uh through, through the lens of glasses, these <sighs> malevolent yeah and it, the, these malevolent um what's the best way to put it these malevolent masters of the world that's that's really what it is it's these bloodlines they have a plan and that plan doesn't necessarily get um accomplished in one lifespan it's they go through a totalitarian tiptoe approach where like you were kind of mentioning uh, briefly pointing to earlier where they will make subtle changes throughout multiple generations and then before you know it, you've gone from one extreme to the next in a, in literally four four generations or so. If you look at the lives um, that our grandparents lived, the world that they grew up in and compare it to what we live in now, it's 
there's been quite a lot of change but if you if you would have analyzed that year by year you might not have experienced you you might not have noticed the difference to be so significant until you look at it until you take a step back and look at the greater picture and it it, it is interesting man how the we think that we're making so much progression in the world we think that we're living longer than we ever have done i mean again that evidence is only based on who the longest living people in the world are now, which just say people are living to a hundred now. Well, those people who are a hundred now, they live their life in a completely different world than we did. Or we do now. We're living longer. It's absolutely untrue to the core because here's the funny thing. So in the the 19th, it's uh, bullshit. Yeah, sorry, man. So in the early 1900s, the they live in a, um, they grew up. Yeah, go infant mortality rate was a lot higher. It was roughly at around 10 percent. Okay, uh, now in the modern world, it's it's less than a percent. So we're doing a good job not killing babies. Okay, but here's the funny thing. So in the 1900s, they because the uh, infant infant mortality rates were so high, they included that as the average medium of the of how long people lived. So what you're ultimately getting is a bunch of zeros. So people didn't die at the age of 40 back then, like they say that that we did. That that did not happen. But obviously, if you're going to add the the, the infant mortality rates into that equation, it's going to lower the average medium of the of uh, how long we're living. Does that make sense? Whereas now the average is about 78 or 77, um, and for sure, it's we're actually living less than we were back uh, then if you actually do some of the calculations we were living longer back then we were living longer hundreds of years ago and it wasn't until all this um poisoning of the environment that we're living in that we really started seeing a, a declination and then also forget about the lifespan for a moment what about the health span how do you explain the onset of diseases disorders and dysfunctions amongst children that all of a sudden just starts happening. I mean, you have diabetes, which has tripled in the last few decades, obesity, which has doubled, autism, which is skyrocketing. It's estimated one in 40 ch- uh, kids are going to be born with autism. Whereas in the uh, 1900s, early 1900s, it was uh, very rare to be getting this. And this is, um, this is an issue. The health span of, uh, of our society is, is going. People are getting sicker a lot quicker. You hear it all the time. It's like, well, how did you get diabetes? You're only 20 years old. You know, most people would never get diabetes at that young of an age or, or other diseases. Now we have people getting diseases at younger ages and they have to put themselves into the medical mafia and act like a, a cash cow for that system because they don't know anything better because all they know is authority. From, from the time that they were born, the parents were the authority. And then they went to school. The teachers were the authority. And then they get a job that the boss is your authority. So they're constantly reconditioning you and, and telling you that authority is legitimate. Obey authority. If it comes from authority, it's true. If it comes from anything outside of authority, it's conspiracy or pseudoscience. And, you know, that that's just uh, how the name of the game goes with uh, the scientific community and how much pull and lobbying these uh, corporations have on the political system, on our governments to get what they want and to ultimately feed into this system that is not 
conducive to the biological necessities of our organism. When is it? When's it going to be too late to notice these signs? I mean, for example, okay, people that are a hundred now, they would have grew up in a world where they they probably would have been raised in a traditional family with a lot of ancestral tradition tied into their diet, into their into their lifestyle and environmental factors, and then their kids would have been the first to really, I guess, our parents would have been the first to really be exposed to the well, to electromagnetic radiation, to genetically modified food, to fluoride in the water and in um, personal health, like uh, hygiene products. And then we get to, I guess, me and you are relatively the same age, probably the same generation at least. We've, we've been around technology all our lives, pretty much. So then that adds another stressor another environmental stressor onto the system. And now we have a generation below us. Who's putting putting this stuff out and allowing this to happen? Well, the FDA, the EPA, all these regulatory bodies. Do you know that the FDA gets 70% of its uh, salary through the pharmaceutical industry? And it's, 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 uh, it's laughable because you're having a regulatory body that are that are trying to regulate the safety it's, of the pharmaceutical drugs, but the pharmaceutical companies are paying their salary. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. You can look up this information yourself. Uh, they are paying them, it, and it's uh, if any other company yeah, were to do this, people would start turning heads and being like, "Whoa, that's that's a little sketch." But if it's the FDA, the Fraud and Deception Association, it's no problem. <sighs> man these money grabbing bloodthirsty motherfuckers they're they're gonna uh they need they need to pay they need to pay for their crimes against humanity and i just i don't do you see it getting it better anytime soon i know more and more people are starting to wake up to the to their uh to their wrongdoings uh-huh. but it's not when it's when not is, too it? Late. is it too little too um, late there's, like, there's a lot of good things that have like happened I'm, and there's a lot of things that are pretty bad that's happened, but yeah, people are waking up to this information and we have the accessibility to it now. Um, though may not be like that for long because of the rapid censoring that's going on on social media platforms alike. Um, but people are becoming more aware, Mm -hmm. but I don't see people doing the right things that are actually going to invoke changes. So if we want to actually see changes, we have to stop supporting the companies yeah. that are destroying this planet. Because every time we make a purchase at Walmart, at Loblaws, uh, at Costco, we're basically saying, here you go. Here's my money. And here's my contribution to destroying this planet. That's what you're telling them. That's what you're telling yourself. That's what you're telling everyone around you. We have to withdraw support from the system and we have to start supporting each other supporting each other as community build a community garden find a location where you can talk about ways that you can improve your community once a month let's say um you need to get people to understand that 
man-made law is illegitimate and that there is a governing law of this universe called natural law that governs the consequences of human behavior. And that is something that's immutable, can't be changed. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we have to really understand if we want to get to an understanding further of morality and what that really entails, you know, because nobody's the arbiter of truth. I'm not the arbiter of truth. You're not the arbiter of truth. What we are is individuals who are here on this planet to discover what the truth is objectively, not what people think it is. You know, it's like people are compulsively, their perception of reality is compulsively filtered through a screening mesh of what they want and what they don't want to be true. So if something that you see, you don't like it and you don't want it to be true, doesn't mean that that's going to change the objective outcome. It's really tying in with ego, right? It's like, well, no, I don't want, I don't choose to see it that way. I don't care how you choose to see it. I'm more concerned with how it is, not what you want it to be. And that's the thing that's happening. The moral relativism that's, that's being propagated all throughout society. People thinking, you know, you can just decide if it feels good for me, then I'll, then I'll do it. If it doesn't feel good for me, then I won't do it. You know? And like the, we have to start re-examining the, the monetary system. That's a huge one. And that's one that people don't want to really be talking about because the monetary system is built off of scarcity. It's designed specifically for this purpose and creating all these, you know, margins and, and lines up and down, kind of giving the illusion of this inflation rate and all this kind of stuff. Right. But people don't understand is that this system, this monetary system is designed for people to struggle. It's not designed for you to be ahead. And let me give you just an example. We have a lot of crime in this world. We have a lot of violence. Okay. Why do you think people do these crimes? What do you think is the motive? People ultimately want money so that they can purchase resources so that they can keep themselves alive. And we live in a world where we have to pay to live on this planet. And guess what? Everyone has obviously a right to live. So if everyone had a right to live, number one, there has to be jobs available for everybody to have an opportunity to work. There should be not one individual that's not going to be working in this society if we're going to be using the monetary system. But because the monetary system is built in scarcity, People commit these crimes because they need money. That's why they do it. And if we were to change things and change how things are done and use more of a resource-based economy, then these crimes would go down by default, guaranteed. People do it because they are desperate. You know, at that point, it, it comes down to me versus you. And that's what they want, the survival reptilian brain mode to be activated. They don't want us to be able to unite together and form communion. They want us to divide ourselves and, and fight amongst each other. So another example of how the monetary system is so um, yeah. inefficient at solving problems. I'll give you an example. So let's say there's a hurricane in a country out east. Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of homes that are destroyed in the process. and you know, how do we, how do we rectify this? Well, we need money, right? We have to acquire money in order to have people go there and, and get the resources and, and get all the raw materials available to build this home, right? To build the, to rebuild the structure of the, of the country. And if the money isn't available, then guess what? Those homes are just going to stay in the rubble. 
and it's so so it's not that the resources are lacking. It's not that there's there there's a lack of individuals, both locally and internationally, that would be willing to help build their own homes or build the homes that they lost. It's the fact that the paper trail of the monetary system that binds you and holds you back from being able to get things done. We have all the resources available. It's all it's all there. It's just the money that's keeping us away from being able to actually get these things done. And then the government will always institute how things are done, you know, how the roads are going to be built, how the homes are going to be built, what we can or cannot do, micromanaging every little facet of our lives, telling us you can do this, you're allowed to do this, well, you're not allowed to do that because I said so ultimately. This is this is a huge problem. We're not allowed to 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 do anything anymore. I mean, a hundred years ago, we were we had access to a lot more freedom than we do now. You know, you have to have all these licenses and and all these these um, these certificates and all this stuff in order to be quote unquote legitimate, right? Um, humanity is is totally held back by the concept of government. There has been so many innovative technologies that have been created not by government, not by the the uh, the uh, institutions by everyday individuals like you and I. Mm-hmm. And guess what? That, that All that technology that can clean the oceans, that can clean the air, that can provide food globally for everyone, they're all being suppressed and they're patent, patented and hidden from us, concealed from us. So, you know, when you beg the question, well, without government, who will build the roads? I counter that with saying, well, without government, who will enslave us? Who will bind us? Who will prevent us from being able to actually invoke changes that are going to be in a positive trajectory to our society. And lasting note on this is that people think that the problems of this world is a a political nature, but what they fail to realize is that politics are not designed to make changes. They're designed to keep things the same under the guise of different ways that are, that, that things are done, you know, the problem is not a political battle. It's a battle on the spiritual domain, a battle in consciousness, because ultimately we can create new systems, Chris. We can we can uh, overthrow the government even. We can do all that glory, glorious stuff. But if we don't change our ideologies and our understanding of the illegitimacy, illegitimacy of authority, then it'll it'll pretty much come back up to the surface again, and there will be a ruling class. It'll just be a different ruling class. We need to understand that the hierarchical compartmentalized structures that um, govern this system is immoral, doesn't work, and it ultimately needs to go. And the way to do that is to get people to understand in the mental domain first and foremost, and then in the aggregate, the physical domain, we can start seeing changes. Yes, totally agree, dude. That's literally one of the reasons why I made this brand. I mean, the brand itself on paper or at face value, superhuman optimization brand. So, okay, we've got some real dope-ass supplements. Great. But what's the brand really about? The brand is about the ultimate sacred teaching, which is save yourself, save the world. 
and that's what I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to achieve with this brand is trying to empower people so that on an individual level, you get your shit together, you you change your life on your microcosmic level, and in the, your macrocosmic experience will mirror that. And if everyone is doing that, or at least a decent amount of people, it's like the hundredth monkey effect. It will everyone our collective unconscious and collective conscious as well will evolve in suit with that and i've i've spent plenty nights sat there thinking to myself because it's it's hard man it's hard because when you go deep down the rabbit hole with these quote-unquote conspiracies or the truth you you know yeah the truth You see it, that uh, things are not changing the way that you'd like them to, and seeing how simplistic it's, it a lot of is, the changes It's very be, frustrating. But we have and this mental schism of mind control where we think that um, we're the yeah. simplicity versus complexity dialect is being convoluted, where we think that, no, well, it can't be that simple, but it really is, ideologically speaking. Not saying it's going to be an easy transition, yeah. but a lot of the problems that we're facing the solutions are quite simple um ideologically speaking but it's just people are so binded to their preferences and their attachments and they are not willing to let go of old and outdated belief systems and adopt not new belief systems but new understandings that are based in objective truths and I really do think it stems in that through monotheistic religions, through all through schooling, through programming and conditioning. We're always, like you noted earlier, man. We're always we're always waiting. We're waiting for the savior to come. We're waiting for someone. No, we're waiting for no the hero. Coming. Like that's that's what we're attracted to. We're waiting for the hero to come and save the day. And we need to re- there is no one coming that like yeah, there, there is no hero coming to save the day. There is no savior. The only person who can save the world is you. And you have to you have you have to save your own world in order to save the greater world. And I just feel like people are so disempowered nowadays. They're so caught up in irrelevant bullshit that's of in the grand scheme of things, extremely irrelevant. They're caught up in reality TV shows. They're caught up in the latest trends and materialistic needs. That does does that really empower you on the spiritual level? No. Does it really empower you on any level apart from being able to post some decent some decent aspects on Instagram or get getting getting a few a few hundred likes on your uh on your Facebook post, I that's mean, what other the than that, engineers I mean, do. what they, are you, what are you gaining from the quality of attention this, um, to minuscule shallow things that hold no significance and, or weight to invoking change, both individually and collectively? Yeah, but then it's it's the reward as well. It's like the reward for following that plan. It's like, if you follow, if you're, if you're a good slave and you follow the rules and you're going to, you'll be rewarded for it. And you're set as the example for people to look up to. And anyone who, who strays from that path to try and create a yeah path for themselves, 
it's um they're nowhere near as applauded as say a Kardashian, say as a big time rap star, say as a corrupt CEO of a Fortune five hundred uh, corporation. Like that's what we're kind of taught to strive for to reach these so called pinnacle um positions within the world. Whereas what like what good does that actually bring to the planet? All the the healers and the the true but teachers, what the, the spiritual what the people teachers, people ultimately the world, care no about so them. Cares the generative like, principle. No, no, no one gives it's a fuck about what them. Creates and, the experiences, the quality of our thoughts and our actions. In the majority sense, is going to reflect what they care about ultimately, and. If people are caring about the Kardashians, sports, and fashion more than they care about freedom, then you know you're gonna get exactly what you have coming to you. And as a society declines in morality, slavery increases. As a society increases um, um, morality, they become more free. Mm-hmm. So how do we, if someone's, if someone's listening to this and they're like, shit, they're like, you literally just give me the red pill. Um, First of all, you have to, I see where you're coming from, but where do I start? The corporations that are causing us the problems in the first place. We have to heal ourselves ultimately and get our neurotransmitters balanced, get the hormones balanced, get our circadian rhythms balanced Mm -hmm. so that we can really start to see things for what they are and our, and our eyes will we'll start to, to open finally. Um, it's like in the Matrix, right, where Neo asks, why do my eyes hurt? And Morpheus responds, it's because you've never used them. And people aren't using their eyes. They're not using their senses because they're desensitized to the effects of how they feel, thinking that it's normal when it could be nothing of the kind. We have to, we have to come to common grounds ideologically. We have to understand that Morality is not something that can be written down and the law is no substitute for it. And that right and wrong is very different from legal and illegal. We have to start to realize that the government is not our friends. They're not here to help us. They're here to enslave us and control us and limit our human potential. And it's by definition because government means in Latin to control the mind. And that's what they do. So we have to get at the mind first ourselves. Look into the work of Mark Passio. Watch his seminars on natural law. It's like an eight-hour seminar. And that'll hopefully begin to get you to understand what natural law is in in Mm -hmm. comparison to man-made law. And, you know, growing your own food is is a huge benefit, too, that people underestimate. Getting those community gardens uh, going. Um, You know, stop using the the tech that that they want us to use. You know, don't. Get the smart TVs. Don't use the uh, Google Echo or Amazon Echo or whatever it's called. Um, stop using these forms of uh, of us. Uh, these ways that they're like keeping track on us and keeping tabs on us. Um, that's that's really where where we start. And there's so many different things we can we can dabble with, but ultimately this problem that we have exists in the mind. 
And if we want to solve the problem, we have to change our ideological premises. Man, yeah, just when it sit when it sinks in. Well, it's, it's sometimes it, that the saying is true that ignorance is bliss, because if you're unaware of it, then you you just get on with your life and you and you live the uh, you you live the path that's been set out in front of you. But once you once you wake up to this, it, there's no turning back, and it's like well. I've only got one choice and that choice is to literally live your, live your truth and you see it through to the end and you're going to ch- and change the world. There is, there is no medium. There is no in between because how could you live a life? Yeah. yeah that you, you could like alive? avoid it for so like, long, but ultimately that's, it's going to be that's, it in the back of your you mind. On a spiritual and, level. You know, what you said is true. Um, there is no turning back. Um, you know, you, you can't, you, once you know this stuff, it, you can maybe not do anything yeah. about it, but you're always going to be That's reminded about, you know, what you could have done versus what you actually did. And um, it's not something that's going to escape the mind, no matter how many pills you pop, no matter how much McDonald's you eat, no matter how much, uh, you know, cell phone radiation you expose yourself to. It's going to be there with you to the end of time. And it's up to you how you want to wield the information. You want to use that information to help people, to assist in your own life and also help this planet? Or do you just want to be popular? You got to ask yourself that question. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a world controlled by a, a form of escapism like people are look like subconsciously people know what's going on they're just they're just making yeah, they've, they they've consciously they just, made themselves oblivious feel, to it like they, they just they've got their head in the sand they're just like i'm just going to someone sit else here and it. just allow it and to occur and they, if yeah, something they, they does change want, it, it won't be me it's going to be someone else that's gonna that's gonna help me get out of my own situation that i put myself in and yeah people are um you know, running the escape train and avoiding what's really going on to the best of their ability so that they can just continue down the ever expanding hole of ignorance. And, you know, that's not going to serve them. It's not going to serve us. It's not going to serve this planet. We have to start becoming more aware of this and also apply what we learn. You know, what good is the information if we don't even share it and we just keep it to ourselves? We have to use platforms like podcasts, like social media to get this message out to the people. And if we get enough numbers, you know, we'll be able to tip the tide or turn the tide, so to speak. And uh, until that happens, you know, things are going to stay the same. You know, politicians ask, you know, who wants change? Everyone raises their hand and then they ask who wants to change and people put their hands down and they just, Turned out, turned her head towards her cell phone and, you know, kind of pretend they didn't even hear that. We're the ones that need to be the one. We need to change ourselves. It sounds so cliche and, you know, it's over redundant, but it's going to continue to be said yeah. because that's the overarching thing that we need to focus on. 
changing ourselves. You can't change the world without changing yourself. You have to start small and you, you have to, you know, work your way um, through the, uh, through the world. And, and uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling you, man. I, I know what you're saying. And it's, um, it's interesting because it's like, apart from the monetary control that the elites have over us with, and their masterful, um, skill set within the esoteric arts, that's where their power is. What we forget that our main power is, is it's what was, is in Bugs Life with the grasshoppers and the, and the, the ants. When the, that's when the grasshopper says, if these puny ants were to one day realize that they outnumber us a thousand to one, that's their, that's their way of life over. And that's a great analogy for the situation we're in. Like we're supporting the pyramid. We're holding it up. All we have to do is just be like, you know, fuck you guys. We're, uh, we're not standing for this no more. And if if you don't accept that, then, well, you already know what happens with the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution and all of that. And that's probably the way that it will get to. But then it's 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 probably going to be too late for that. And then who knows the outcome? Whereas now, at least we can uh, st- still pl- kind of plan this. It seems like it is headed, but it doesn't have to, to go to that. We don't have to see a reaction solution such another revolution, so to speak, because we don't need a revolution. We need an evolution. We don't need to revolve around the wheel of karma, have modicums of freedom, and then have another regime take over because we didn't understand the concepts of the illegitimacy of authority. We need to go through evolution to expand, not involution to draw within and that's what's ultimately happening to us under the guise of technological advancements and all this kind of stuff you know what a oxymoron to call it an advancement when it's degrading our health you know it's just like completely ludicrous to even propose the word advancement you know it's like here's this new uh 5g uh generation network it's highly advanced technology that's going to destroy your health and destroy your mitochondria and increase the onset of neolithic diseases. How's that for advancement? Yeah, it's, it's sad, man, because literally where I'm based in Bristol within the UK, it's the first city in the UK that's going to be adopting 5g and they've already got some 5g towers set up that they're testing at this moment in time. And it's, uh, it's not looking good, man. It's, it's good. like when is when when are we when are we gonna realize? Because what what from your research, how long is it gonna be before we start seeing the adverse effects of five G and actually relate well, I mean, it back there's, there's to like, the gonna be a huge the exact cause of it in, instead and that can of be just problematic in itself. Theorizing, because, you know, you can wind down five ten years and not see anything and then boom start, things start hitting the fan and you start seeing a huge spike in diseases but i think with 5g it's going to happen a lot sooner and that could potentially be an opportunity in disguise because it, it can be so bad that people will really start to wake up and be like okay like 
this is this is the direct root cause of what's going on and then things will hopefully change for the better um i mean there's over 200 noble scientists in 41 different countries i believe that have signed a petition to the un and the world health organization to change the standards that have been set by those institutions or or all the other ones um you know to promote more safety and, and more understanding of what's going on. Uh, the things that they propose is very fair. Uh, they propose a lot of things. I'll try to remember them off the top of my head, but one would be to have the public fully aware of all the risk factors associated with radiation exposure, not having it be you know tip, tiptoed around and made to look better than it is. You also have to have doctors that are educated in the, in their, in the schools about the effects of electromagnetic radiation. We have to have more rigid standards and regulations that are set. Uh, we have to have the manufacturers produce safer technology. And most importantly, we need to have white zones, which are radiation-free zones. No radiation exposed in that area. And those areas can potentially be healing areas where you can open up healing retreat centers. Um, and give people a bunch of modalities, but also be in the right environment that they can heal to the most efficient mm, yeah, man. Um, effect. Yeah, no, I love I love that uh, last suggestion. I think that that's great. It's almost the same as like how national parks they can't be tampered with or have any uh have any sort of external corporation influence placed um placed on top of them that's that's real cool man i didn't really think of that one before but that makes perfect sense oh all right man so as we are kind of edging towards the uh the two hour mark i think just to um just to cover some ground that i was i was hoping to ask you but then we kind of uh we went deep on this one, so I just wanted to, a few little questions just to quick fire you before we close this one off. Uh, I think something that would be good for everyone to listen to on this is that not too many people was aware of is the effect of food choices on your circadian rhythm and balance. So what I mean by this is, for example, say that it's winter in England, but you're eating a summer fruit from halfway around the world, such as a so banana, and the effect that what that's doing in your body. Mitochondria, which has those respiratory proteins, are also called cytochromes. So, cytochrome one is going to take in carbohydrates, cytochrome two is going to take in fats. So, cytochrome one leaks out more and causes more free radical damage, whereas cytochrome two is more efficient at removing that process. So when we're eating carbs that are grown in abundance in our environment during the summer season, we're going to be exposed to more free radical damage, but the sun is going to offset that damage where it's going to be very minuscule. Whereas in the winter time, if we're continuing to eat carbs with the absence of sun exposure, we're going to be increasing our free radical damage and damaging the mitochondria without any mechanisms to help offset that like the sun exposure. So this would then tie into eating more of a ketogenic diet, higher in fats, so we can use a cytochrome 2 docking station 
and not have as much damage. And also you're just following an alignment with living in your environment, you know, and people have things uh, like ass backwards, you know, lose weight during the summertime for the beach body and then gain weight during the wintertime while you stuff yourself with holiday seasonality foods. Um, you're supposed to actually gain weight during the summer and autumn months in particular fat and healthy fat. Of course, doesn't mean just go out and try to gain weight in an unhealthy way, but we're supposed to gain weight uh, in particular fat so that we can use that as reserves during the winter time. And then we're supposed to lose that body fat in the wintertime through the exposure of the cold, which I tied into in the beginning of this podcast, which helps to burn the body fat. And then it liberates, guess what? Fat-soluble vitamin D into the bloodstream to be used mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when we're not getting access to vitamin D because there's a lack of UVB rays in the environment. So nature has everything figured out. And all you have to do is really observe it. Does a squirrel and a grizzly bear to name a few do they gain weight or lose weight during the winter season they lose weight they lose a lot of fat and they gain a lot of fat during the summer and that's the rules that we have to follow too because we're not separate from nature of course we can get away with certain things you know with modern convenience and and all that but uh, at what cost right we have to be more inclined to looking at diet based on seasons versus looking at it based on what's the best diet. Like, Oh, veganism is the best diet. If you're living in the Northern hemisphere during the winter season up in Canada, veganism is a very bad idea. If you're living in, let's say Hawaii, where you're getting access to sun closer to the equator, you can get away with veganism. You know, is it something I would recommend? Maybe, maybe not but you can get away with it a lot better because of the environment they are living in because of the latitude. Yeah, it just, it really ties together so well. I mean, it, it makes, it makes perfect sense. And um, when you really lay it out like that, it, it resonates on a deep level. Like, of course, of course that's right. It would have been. It would have been like that for our whole evolutionary uh, progression. Fuck. Yeah. No. I. Because I, I seen you post something about it on Instagram the other day, and I was reading into it, and it and it tied in very closely to something I was reading, some work I was reading from Nora Gaudas, and she was saying some very similar things, and I was just like, yeah, man, I need to ask Sean about this to give a proper explanation on it on air. Um, yeah, so these questions that I'm going to ask now are not very related, but they're just things that I kind of want to know personally for your of what your opinion is on it, and hopefully it's going to help other people. Um, the sec the second one was the difference between UVA so UVB and UVB has photoprotective qualities, of whereas UVA has photooxidative qualities. So when we lather on sunscreen, we're effectively blocking. UVB rays, the photoprotective aspects of the sun, but we're letting in UVA, the photooxidative uh, effects that are going to cause damage. So you can be out in the sun and not burn, but there's going to be oxidative damage. And that oxidative damage is not something that you're going to be able to feel right away, but it's going to be incremental, right? And then um, UVB 
is what stimulates um, melanin, essentially. And then it's UVA that oxidizes the melanin, giving us that browner look, much like if you cut an apple in half and eventually it starts to brown as it goes through oxidation, right? Same thing happens with us. UVB stimulates melanin, and then it's UVA which oxidizes the melanin and thickens the uh, stratum corneum, which is the first layer of the skin, so that it can protect itself more from the, the sunlight and adapt. And you're building what's called the solar callus. But you have to do this in a way where it's incremental. You're not just going out to the beach for eight hours when you never even experienced the sun in the last like month. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why kind of people think the sun's bad for them. Is it that the sun's bad for you is it, or is it that you're not adapted to the sun? You've lost your adaptability to the thing that pretty much laid out the future of your entire species, you know, and as a result of that, you have a maladaptive response. You even heard crazy things like I'm, people are allergic to the sun. I know someone personally that was once allergic to the sun before they met me, of course. Now, um, they're in a pretty good darn relationship with the sun and they're doing pretty darn fine based on the recommendations that I set out for them. So yeah, UVB is photoprotective, UVA is photooxidative. And guess what? The uh, studies that came out uh, about sun causing cancer, they used isolated UVA. So of course it, it would fit their narrative and give people the illusion that the sun's bad for them, but that's not true. It's a half truth actually. So what's the benefit for the for these companies that manufacture all these sunscreen lotions and well, they do have things like that? that like, what, what's the benefit? Why don't they just do UVA a UVA blocking the end lotion is that allows UVBs in? in a state like, why that, flip it? Right? I mean, you can use that as a crutch. Like, I don't know, let's say like I'm living out in Canada and I end up going to Dominican Republic and I'm living there for, yeah. I don't know, three months, okay, doing something there. And yeah, the the light, the sunlight there is going to be a lot stronger. There's going to be a higher UV index. So you know, at times if I maybe want to stay out longer, I could I could use that, or or you know, just in the beginning I can use that as I acclimate myself. And of course, you want to use sunscreen that's not toxic, that's not filled with carcinogens, and they do have ones that are a little bit better. Uh, but it's not, it's just it's not, it's not something you want to like rely on. You know what I mean? And just the 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 motives and the benefit that the industries have, the optometrists, the dermatologists, the doctors, the sunscreen manufacturing companies, is that, you know, ultimately they can't pad in the sun and they can't profit from it. So they do everything to demonize it so that they can profit off of you. So in order to sort of... Um inform people of what they can include in their dietary regime that will help the absorption and sort of block these harmful rays naturally what are we looking at are we looking at like yeah DHA? so the ones you named uh two ones named DHA. Like, any other suggestions that are great got? That would be, uh, DHA like a natural internal sunscreen absorb photons and convert it into a dc electric current which then gets converted into chemical energy atp uh there's also you know carotenoids uh you know like carrots and uh even eating more tomatoes that that can help uh consuming more chlorophyll i mean you look at plants they're out in like very hot temperatures at times and they stay they stay intact right 
And that's due to their chlorophyll content that they have. So you can even use a supplement like a liquid chlorophyll supplement. You can just eat more uh, greens, uh, of course, if it's you know within your latitude, depending on seasons. Um, also, another thing is uh, red light in the a.m. hours, uh, both either artificially or through the sunlight. So you can get during the a.m. hours, sun doesn't have a lot of UV. It has more uh, red and infrared light. So that helps to protect our skin and prime us for the UVA that we're going to be getting so that it doesn't cause any damage and we don't get like a sunburn or something like that, right? Or oxidative stress. Um, so, yeah. Cool, man. Uh, last question to end with then, and this is something that I just kind of asked to everyone that I kind of come in contact with, just on a personal level as well. This I'm not I'm not a materialistic person, but I do really want a Tesla, and it's got me thinking that with the rise of these electrical cars, yeah, let's see been, if do these, been, do these I mean, cars I haven't, I haven't tested them myself. A lot uh, of people radiation in the biohacking have tested them. Do you know they, anything about this? They do give off quite a bit of, of uh, radiation. And um, they're actually also, in addition to that, not better for the environment, despite what you actually think. Because they have to extract a lot of lithium ions uh, from those uh, those mines. And that's not good for the environment. So it's <laughs> to say that that it's better for the environment is like kind of laughable to me. You know, when we have more than enough technology available um, or like other um, energy sources that doesn't cause any harm to the environment, uh, like, you know, certain biofuels, you can even use water. Uh, they had a guy invented it. And I think like he I don't know, committed suicide after or something, you know, the whole story, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, even just yeah, you got, you got, you got, with, I think uh, seen off speaking of Tesla, he, uh, just using his his Nikola Tesla's technology well. where he was able to extract energy from the ionosphere, the limitless, uh, abundantless amount of energy. So basically, you never have to fill up the car with gas. You don't have to fill it up with anything. It constantly runs off of the natural energy that's produced in the ionos ionosphere. But that uh, energy has been suppressed, but we need government, right? So let that be a lesson, guys. Government is holding back things that are going to help us evolve based on the innovation or invention yeah, from everyday individuals. I mean, Nikola Tesla is a pretty amazing guy, but I mean, he's just an average guy. I mean, I don't want to say average, but kind of get what I mean. He's just he's a person like you and I, you know, and there's a lot of people that are like him in the sense that they can develop that innovation. But. They're restricted on the regulations and all that stuff. So, you know, that poses a problem. Definitely not. Yeah, man. It's, it's not good for Rockefeller business. Cool, man. Right. I think, uh, I think let's close this one up for now. Um, I always finish on a question with concerning... If you could advise one physical, mental, or spiritual practice for anyone that's listening, <laughs> yeah, for that's, that's kind of what I was. Uh, Self-optimization, but I think even more important. I'm, guess, I'm, uh, I'm guessing you're going to say cold thermogenesis. 
follow the laws of nature, <laughs> balance your circadian rhythms yeah. and reconnect to it and disconnect from the artificial realm, the virtual reality, the augmented reality. Because when you do that, all of the simplicity versus complexity convolution, that will start to thin and you'll start to see the simplicity in what I was touching on. Whereas maybe when you're hearing this now, you might think that I'm trying to oversimplify things. But like I said, when you connect back to the elements, you start to see things for what they really are. And your perceptibility starts to really change. Um, and also get your nervous system checked out. You know, see a, a manual osteopath, a chiropractor, get your biomechanics uh, in tune or in alignment because we see reality through our nervous system. If our nervous, if our nervous system is under a lot of assault and a lot of stress, it's going to alter our perceptions of, of reality. So that's probably the, the best thing I would give for people. Circadian rhythm optimization, cold thermogenesis, and, um, you know, getting rid of the augmented realities the best you can. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would love to have been able to go down um, the uh, the rabbit hole of osteopathy as well, man. I think that would have been one that we could just, you could have talked for another two hours just on that because that's something that obviously that's your specialty, that's 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 your profession. And I would love to have uh, learned a little bit more about that from you, but uh, yeah, damn, bro, you definitely shed some wisdom and so light on us today. I have so, a where can YouTube uh, where can people have took interest in this? Where can they find more about synergy? you? Dude? And I have a website, photoelectricsynergy.com. Then you can also hit me up on my Instagram, Sean Weldman, one word, S-H-A-W-N-W-E-L-D-M-A-N. And I think that's pretty much it where you can find me. I just want to thank you for having me on the podcast today and give right, me man. the platform uh, any other closing remarks share for, some uh, information that i find very valuable and important that people grasp and apply to their lives we're all in this together guys we're all one as cliche as that sounds you can say it's god you can call it the universe you can call it whatever you want but ultimately we are governed by one singular energy source and we need to unite as a community as a society, as people, and stop the divide and conquer strategies that are being used to manipulate our perceptions of what's really going on in this world. And as one of my mentors, um, Mark Passio, once said, you know, get as offended as you'd like, because ultimately you have to know what on earth is happening. A fucking man, man. That's uh, couldn't have said it better myself, dude. Mate, it's been it's been a pleasure listening to you and uh, yeah, just chatting about this stuff. It's it's rare that someone with such a wide spectrum of knowledge as yourself, uh, I've been able to talk to for such a long time. So yeah, thank you again yeah, for uh, coming on, dude. And hopefully, everyone that's listening, you guys have enjoyed this. And yeah, well, let's um, cost, let's do it again sometime, dude. Let's let's there's plenty more uh there's plenty more shit for us to explore so yeah let's get you on again in the future 
yeah for sure man we've only scratched the surface so uh all right guys let's call this one a day and keep it real out there guys keep it real